steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! Back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rodell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, well, we have reached the home stretch of the NFL season, and your Minnesota Vikings playoff hopes have dwindled down to not a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, it's somewhere in that 15 to 25% range. I don't have the number in front of me, but it's very low. Um, coming off of a loss against the Rams, another one score loss for your Minnesota Vikings as they tried to kick a field goal quickly at the end of the game in order to bring that game to a one score uh, position and then go for the onside kick. They did not get the onside kick shocker and the Vikings lost. So 30 to 23, that final Rams beat the Vikings at us bank stadium. And now the Vikings are in a position where they need to win out essentially. That's uh, it's basically and get a bunch of help. And get some help. Yeah, they will need a little bit of help. Obviously, the Miami Dolphins gave them a little bit of help. Um, not going to help them in terms of conference record because, of course, the Miami Dolphins are in the AFC. But beating the New Orleans Saints essentially puts <coughs> excuse me, puts them in a difficult position as well. The Philadelphia Eagles are now the team to watch. Uh, if, you're, if you are a fan of scoreboard watching or if you're a red zone guy, uh, Philadelphia is your team to watch here for your Minnesota Vikings. They need to lose one of the next two games. So we'll go into some of that stuff. Uh, we will also go into a couple of little things from the Rams game. We won't go too deep into that one. I'm sure most of you that have listened, that listened to the show have already listened to plenty of reviews of that game. And I don't think you need a whole lot more on that. So uh, we'll do the Rams a little bit. We'll jump into the Packers, do a second preview of this matchup. Obviously, this one's going to be at Lambeau Field. So a little bit different. And obviously, the Vikings are in a little bit different position than they were when they were first matching up with this team. So we'll talk about that. And then we'll finish up with our picks. So that is the game plan for today's episode. Uh, let's jump right into it here. So I already gave you the brief. Of course, the Vikings lost. Um, no, no reason to dwell on that. That's just kind of it is what it is. We kind of saw I think a lot of us kind of assumed that was going to happen with Dalvin Cook being out. Uh, Kirk Cousins, of course, having the rib injury, which of course, uh, apparently didn't even affect him. But there's a lot of things to suggest the Vikings were going to lose that game. That came to came to fruition. Now, what we like to do here is not dwell on the scoreboard, but more take things away from the game that might result in changes moving forward. Right. Uh, things that might, you know, in the past, we've looked at the offense mm-hmm. kind of sputtering. And then, of course, they had some more aggressive play calling. We looked at that. Things of that nature. So. I don't think Anthony Barr's two interceptions are going to carry over a whole lot. I mean, it's nice to see that great stat padding for him. Obviously those are two huge interceptions to put the Vikings in a position where in theory, if you're going to get three interceptions from Matthew Stafford, you're probably going to win the game. Of course, again, didn't happen, but in theory, uh, but again, no, not a whole lot of carryover effect there in terms of things that you saw in the Rams game, both positive and negative. uh, What are your key takeaways for what we should see? for the last two weeks of this season and potentially into the future as well, based on the performance of the Vikings offense, defense, or somewhere in between. The offense uh, has lost some steam. I think it kind of, you know, the, the offense peaked, I think during that Vikings Packers uh, the first time around um, it was kind of the peak of, you know, was they call it right. Kirk Tober or Kirk Bember yeah. or whatever it might be, but he has this thing in his career. It's happened year over year where, he gets really hot in October and in November, um, and then it kind of really fades off. He's basically starts, you know, has a rough start to the season and a rough end of the season, uh, and then his hot in the middle. And so you're seeing now this offense sputter a ton. Um, you're seeing the the injuries pile up, whether it's Dalvin being absent, whether it's now feeling out for the year. Um, you're seeing those things finally come to fruition and, and start to impact this team. Um, and so – you know, I, I think, I mean, we've, we've kind of said it all along. It's, it's been, we've been foreshadowing it, but it just seems like the regime is coming to an end here at some point is on a, we're on a crash course uh, to see Mike Zimmer kind of, you know, walk out. I think Rick Spielman potentially out as well. And then I, I the one thing I'm curious about is I, I don't know if cousins is, is part of that or not for next year. Uh, but I, I don't think, you know, I, I have a hard time seeing all three of those, guys yep. being back uh, you know following 
following 2022. I think there's, you know, maybe the potential with Kirk's contract where he can't really do a lot with it, where he sticks around for next year um, and then is gone. But I think, you know, it's starting to seem like the beginning of the end or maybe the middle of the end of the, uh, you know, Spielman and Zimmer era. And you could just feel it like the, you know, you, you, you saw the, all the reports from the media there about the lack of energy in the stadium and the lack of enthusiasm the team came out with. And it just seemed like uh, an end to an end to that regime. Uh, and then that's the, what every end of every coaching regime sounds like. It, it does sound like that, right? Where it's just not a lot of energy, not a lot of enthusiasm for a game that should have meant a ton to your team, Absolutely. given the circumstances and to not have that energy. It's, it just seems like a, a, a good a sign of things to come here, uh, which by that, I mean the end of, you know, their 10 years in Minnesota. Yeah. So I, I made the joke a couple of seconds ago that it's kind of become the triangle of authority, right? Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins. Of course, that's mm-hmm. a throwback to back in the day when the, <laughs> when the Vikings didn't really know what they were doing with their front office. Mm-hmm. And it was Rob Brzezinski, Rick Spielman and uh, Childress, I believe were the three kind of in charge there. And that has sort of kind of evolved into a more contemporary triangle of authority where it's the quarterback, the general manager and the head coach. And I think you're right. At least two of those guys are probably either gone or on their last limb. Right. And I think it's probably, you know, I think Mike Zimmer's, I think he knows he's a dead man walking a little bit. And I think that this Rams game didn't seal it. It just confirmed a lot of things, right? Like if you, we've been doing a roller coaster all season long and I've been doing it with you guys. And I, Honestly, I pride myself in not being too emotionally up and down with the team, but this team has done it for me, right? You pushed me to the brink with the Detroit Lions game. You come right back down and you get, you know, you got the Packers W. Um, you've got the, you know, the Arizona game, the Cincinnati game, all these games that were right on the you edge. You got the Steelers game that encapsulates all of it. Absolutely. So like it's it's been like that this year. And I think that Mike Zimmer knows that, you know, if a couple things bounce the right way, yeah, we might not be in this position. And had they beaten the Rams last week, that roller coaster would have probably continued, right? Like we'd be on this show talking about okay, the Vikings are now in pole position to make the postseason. They're gonna be a seven seed. Let's see what Mike Zimmer can do. Let's see if Kirk can get hot in January, and then we'll talk then. Now the conversation's a lot different because you lose to the Rams, you know, in a position where you know, at home, I don't, I don't want to say you should win because of the Rams are who the Rams are, but that's a game you need to win. And it's a game that you had favorable odds on in a number of different areas that we discussed in the previous show. And now you have to go into Lambeau field where historically speaking, just a, it's a problem for everyone. It's more of a problem for the Vikings. It's going to be a cold weather game. Mm-hmm. I think I just saw a report a couple of minutes ago that it's going to be 15 degrees. We all know how Aaron Rodgers has operated in the cold versus all of his opponents, but specifically against the Vikings, him and Devontae Adams are absolutely crushing it right now. They're doing everything and anything to, you know, get to that next level. They're doing exactly what they said they were going to do. Right. And we're late in the season. They're hot. The Vikings are not. Uh, So you put yourself into a position now where, Hey, you need this game odds stacked against you. It's sort of an inverse of last week where, yeah, last week you're playing at home. Yeah. There's a couple other things that you might get, you know, the benefit of the doubt doubt with Andrew Whitworth being out, et cetera. This game does not look like that. This game looks like you're on the road against the guy that should win MVP. I don't think he's going to win MVP because the whole COVID thing that he's done and, you know, the humans that are going to be voting on the award are not going to vote for Aaron Rodgers. I just don't see that happening, but he should be probably to this point in the season should be the MVP. He's playing the highest level of football that I've seen him play in multiple years. Um, And the Vikings are fortunately sounds like they're going to have Dalvin cook back, which is something that we didn't think that they were going to have last week. So I guess there is that, but as a whole, this looks really bad. And if the Vikings lose at green Bay, Hmm. I don't think the Wilfs are going to make a drastic decision. They're not that type of owner. I don't think they should. I think it's always a stupid decision to fire a coach mid season. That's just kind of where I'm at with that. You know, I won't delve too far into that, but you know, I do think that this is the final confirmation. So either you get to continue on, as a dead man walking with a W and, you know, kind of try to sneak your way in, hope that Philadelphia loses to Dallas in week 17 or week 18, I'm sorry. Or, you know, you lose this game and you basically kind of like slump to the, fi- to the finish line yeah. against I mean, the Chicago it, Bears next week. It feels like it, 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 you know, it seems like every coach, you know, I guess not every coach, uh, but a lot of head coaches have that game 
that's kind of the, the, the nail in the coffin game. And I can't tell quite if that is the Rams game or if that's happening this Sunday against the Packers, um, yep. because it seems this seems like a, a this seems like a fitting spot for, yep. you know, the Vikings to finally snap that skid of close game. What is it like 14 games in a row or yeah, no, yeah, 15, 12, 13 games in a row that have been decided by a touchdown or less. Um, and so it seems like a fitting spot to snap that in the Packers come in and roll them because they are rolling right now. Meanwhile, the Vikings are sputtering quite a bit on both sides of the ball. Um, I mean, Sp- Stafford gifted him a couple of turnovers in that game, and he was not good. But they're getting run over by Sony Michelle. Um, and, you know, the Rams were missing a couple of linemen in that game, too. And their backup unit was dominating the Vikings. So there's a lot of concern there. Now you get in the cold weather, you get Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, one of the best tandems in the NFL running the ball. Packers yep. offensive line is still yeah, elite. I, I see the Packers having their way in this game uh, quite a bit here. And it, I am fearful that this will be, this could turn ugly because I see, I think, I think the Vikings, it's just, there's that aura, that feeling that, that, that vibe, that things are coming to an end. Um, and that it's, you know, I don't want to say the word like the phrase checked out, but it does seem like a little bit of that is going on um, with this team right now. Well, they definitely spoke to that a little bit in the locker room this weekend, right? They did, yeah. Weekend. And Jefferson, you know, noted it, and the media Andy was Barr. asking about it, and they weren't they weren't hiding from it, um, which I think is a good thing uh, to kind of acknowledge it. But it's, I mean, obviously, it's too little, too late because you know of where the team's at. And again, I, I think ultimately, you know, we can talk about you know this Rams game or this Packers game however the results are but i just think ultimately giving up game winning drives to Cooper Rush and Jared Goff the way they did is what is right. going to lose Mike Zimmer his Mike Zimmer his job that's what it's going to be because you you stop those two guys from scoring touchdowns um on those drives and which in the in those circumstances they needed touchdowns they couldn't sell field goals they need to get to the end zone mm-hmm. and you let them do that um when you know you shouldn't be i mean come on the, the way that he, you know, a soft candy defense, I don't want to get too far into that, but that is what is going to cost him his job. And that's been clearly a weakness for him during his time as head coach for all the genius blitz schemes he's come up with on third downs for all the, um, you know, the motivational uh, tactics he's used and the culture changing that he's done for the Vikings over the past seven years. That's been awesome. Um, I, I just for whatever reason, that end of game, end of half defense that he employs, giving up a ton of points week after week. And then you see it kind of finally bite him and, and ultimately cost him his job. I think uh, that's the, the sad part, I think to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that anyone looks at a, like a mid season game and they're like, all right, nail in the coffin. We did chat about those things a little bit where we were like after the, With the Lions game. I mean, yeah. And I think that was, we're seeing, you know, now I can't, I think we're seeing kind of those things that we had said, you right. know, you know, validate themselves. Um, the point is, is that if you lose a game horrifically in the middle of the season, you still have the opportunity to redeem yourself. Right. So it's like, yeah, we can like, we can look back now and be like, all right. Yeah. That was probably mm-hmm. the nail in the coffin because of what we have seen. So, you know, that has happened since that point in time, you know, you look at like Miami, for example, would have been really easy to put the nail in Brian Flores's coffin. What? two months ago, but he had yeah. time to redeem himself. And miraculously the dolphins have done that, right? Like it's, it's, I don't think anyone expected that. I think that a lot of people were ready to fire Brian Flores a few months ago and things have changed or fire Tua or whoever you want to get rid of in that scenario. Right. They had the opportunity to change with time. The Vikings are out of time. You got to win at Green Bay here. Then you need help from Philadelphia. Philadelphia's playing Washington this week. We all saw how poorly but, they played. And then, last even week. though, even if they do sneak in, which is at this point, I think depending on the site you look at or the the right. metrics you use, it's probably fifteen to twenty percent chance because mm-hmm. you know they have to win this week and then beat the Bears, and then the Philly has to lose one of their two games. Um, and I think that would put the Vikings in at this point. Um, but even with that. You have to, I think, like Zimmer would have to win uh, a playoff game. And then maybe even more, depending on who you ask. And I don't know what the front office, uh, you know, thinks about things right now. But, you know, they're going to have to go on the road then if they get into the playoffs, play a dominant NFC team, 
like the Rams, like the Packers, like the Cowboys, somebody like that, and you know, beat them and go and advance probably to save your job. That's winning three games in a row plus getting help uh, for Mike Zimmer to save his job. Basically, he's on. I mean, his his position, his role with the Vikings, his tenure is on life support right now, and so. Uh, some drastic things are going to have to happen for him to keep his job going into next season. I think the same can be said for Rick Spielman too. Uh, again, they, you know, I appreciate a lot of things that they've done, but I think it's time. Yeah. And we can, and that's obviously we'll hold our regards for this group until after, you know, a decision is made. The good thing about the Wilfs, right. And in, in historically speaking is that they don't make you wait. Right. Like they make a decision, they move forward, they get the offseason going. Right. I don't think that I don't think that they're going to sit with Mike Zimmer till, you know, mid-March and wait just until the draft is coming up to make a firing or to make a change at head coach. or Right. Well, yeah, that would be dumb. That would be extremely dumb. This ownership group has always been acted swiftly, intelligently. You know, they do things that are in the best interest of the entire organization. And I think that for the most part, we're behind a lot of the things that the Wilfs have done. Hiring Mike Zimmer being one of those things, right? Like he was the perfect piece to add following, you know, Frazier, Childress, et cetera. Mm-hmm. He was the perfect guy to have. And unfortunately, it's it's kind of come down to a situation where I just don't think he's the perfect guy anymore. You need to – the voice hasn't changed. And that's fine for a defensive coordinator that's fine for a team like I've used Jacksonville as an example like a team that needs a true culture shift things of that nature but for this team Mike Zimmer I don't think is the right guy anymore and I still love the guy I mean I was just talking the other day with our team like I didn't get to grow up with a coach that I really loved I sort of missed the Denny Green era and then I sort of got faltered into Mike Tice a little bit. And then Brad Childress was really, quote, my coach during my heyday of becoming a football fan, right? And I hate Brad Childress just like all of you guys do too. I think he's annoying. And I think that that team won despite him. So the people that did grow up on Mike Zimmer, you guys got a great one. And this is a, you know, this is a, a coach that I think deserves a lot of credit for what he's done. It's just ultimately it's not – We've gotten to the point now as a franchise where it's not good enough to just be a playoff team. And that's a good thing. That's Mike Zimmer's doing, right? Like he has accomplished enough where now the expectations are so high and this is bad for him because he hasn't been able to reach those expectations. But for us as a fan base, we now expect more than well, we and, and I think, in, you know, I think, middle school, high school, whatever. I think pinning all of it on Zimmer is, is unfair too. Uh, just because I think he and, he and Spielman are a team together. And I think a lot of this falls on Spielman too. Um, whether it's, um, you know, the, the Kirk contracts, uh, fully guaranteed, not really flexible about it. Um, if you, the only reason to kind of, you know, uh, wiggle with it is simply to extend him again, you know, and, and provide him with more guaranteed money. So there's that. Um, and then, the, like I said, I hammered this before the season um, was the lack of depth on this roster. And clearly that's showing itself as this team battles injuries, battles COVID, battles whatever, um, and, and guys are going down, and these these replacements just aren't stepping up. There's been a few bright spots where a guy has stepped up into a role and, and succeeded. You know, AKJ Osborne, Tyler Conklin, or a couple guys, but that's mm-hmm. rare. The rest of the roster has struggled to fill the voids left by Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin. Um, you know, in the secondary, when guys have gone down, there still really isn't a trustworthy number two cornerback right now. Bashad Breland certainly didn't work out as a as a free agent acquisition. So there's, and of course, the offensive line is still a disaster, and that continues to be, a, especially on the interior. So there's uh, a lot of faults to be had here, I think, all around between Zimmer and Spielman. But I think it's just you, you have to move on. So anyway, we spent a lot of time talking about that, but it's just like that's I, the main I, takeaway. I think the Rams it, it just team, feels honestly. like. It just feels like, right. It just feels like that's the nail in the coffin. Um, assuming the Vikings don't uh, end up making the playoffs, which it seems very likely right now that they're not going to make it. I think ultimately what this comes down to is you need to find a way to reinvigorate your fan base, because if the reports are true and this isn't just from media people that, you know, have a bias or don't have a bias or just trying to report whatever it's, it's from people that were literally sitting in the stadium on the sideline, you know, in the seats, whatever, everyone sort of felt what was going on and, you know, everyone was calling a quote Christmas hangover. I don't think it's a Christmas hangover. It, it, I, I think mean, it's a Viking. If, you're, if your team is, I mean, at that time they were in the driver's seat for a playoff spot. Yes. They were hosting a very good and fun to watch Rams team. Uh, 
than a team that you, I mean, I, I, it just doesn't make sense. And that's the only explanation for it to me is that it just seems like the end of the, the era, but there's no reason that stadium shouldn't be juiced up and fired up for a very meaningful game at the end of the year in your home stadium. Uh, so I don't know. It's and now we have to worry about the Packers talk about the Packers. Cause it doesn't matter what the situation is. Vikings could be 0 and 10 or 10 and 0. you know, I'm going to want to kick the Packers uh, in the butt. And so that's where we're at this week. And I, I don't like Minnesota's chances, but it's we've seen I mean, Vikings are on a technically they're on a two game winning streak against <laughs> Packers here. So for all of what we've just said about Zimmer credit to him for that. He's uh 500 in his career coaching against the Packers seven, seven and one. So this will decide his uh, you know, if he's a winning or losing coach against green Bay, probably, but I mean that, it, Hey, I, I, I saw somebody put that stat out there, you know, how the Packers have done against an FC North opponents since since Zimmer arrived and I mean, the Packers have dominated lines, dominated the bears. Uh, and Zimmer has been the guy that's been competitive with them. So credit to him for that, but it's just, I, I'd have a tall task since Sunday. Might be a little bit too long, too little, too late uh, for Mike Zimmer, but that is a good po- thing to point out. And let's be real here. Packers fans make this joke all the time that playing against them for the Vi- for Vikings fans is quote our Super Bowl because we either don't make the playoffs or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, this is our Super Bowl. I, it, right now, yeah. guys, this is our Super Bowl because, and it's, and really it's Mike Zimmer's Super Bowl too, because he's really dead if you lose this game. And especially if you lose this game horribly, right? Like this, mm-hmm. this is one of those games where it's not just the scoreboard, right? Or excuse me, it's not just win loss. It's the scoreboard too, because people are watching, right? You just had, uh, we just went over this, you know, you just had a home stadium drained, right? You have an opportunity here to reinvigorate your fan base. If you blow this, I mean, you're going to lose the rest of your fan base basically. And as much as we may not really believe it as fans, like it, it, collectively as a group, we do have some organizational power. When you're, when everyone is out, the Wilfs notice that like they see the newspaper, they have someone telling them, Hey, stadium's dead guys. We got to do something or we're going to stop selling tickets. Cause this is ultimately about money. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can't justify raising p- ticket prices if the team sucks or if no one wants to watch the team or what have you. So if you're losing to the Packers at Lambeau Field, horrifically, like if this game goes 24 to 6, 30 to 6, something like that, offense sputters, defense lets loose, you're in real trouble. And there are some things, like you mentioned, right? Mike Zimmer's historically been very good at confusing Aaron Rodgers, relatively speaking. I mean, there's not many coaches that can say that. There's not many coaches, period, who have a winning record against Aaron Rodgers, especially with the number of games that Zimmer has gone up against him, head coach and the quarterback, of course. Uh, and you do have that opportunity here to kind of, this is something that Mike Zimmer could tell his next interview, right? Like I beat Aaron Rodgers eight times in 16 chances and I tied once. So technically I've got a winning percentage against a future hall of famer that has had eh, okay organizational support and solid playmakers around him. I mean, this is something that he could add to his resume, right? It's an opportunity. It's also an opportunity for Kirk Cousins to get back to 500. I know that that narrative is just going to get more and more fun the longer that he's in Minnesota. And he, of course, being that there's an extra game this season, Kirk Cousins has an opportunity to get over 500 heading into the postseason if things go the way that we all as Vikings fans hope they do. Unfortunately, like I said before, I think Rodgers is playing the best football of maybe his entire career at this moment. Very, if, If not the best not far behind, um, you know, the MVP caliber seasons or MVP voted seasons that he's had in the past. Um, this is a tough task. And you mentioned the duo of Aaron Jones and, and uh, AJ Dillon as well in cold weather. I can't imagine what that's like trying to t- tackle AJ Dillon specifically, you know, with those huge thighs that he's got and the way that he runs the football, a lot of things don't look good specifically because the Vikings can't stop the run in good conditions inside a dome against Sony Michelle, as you noted before, now you got to stop AJ Dillon in bad conditions that favor the rushing attack in an away stadium when you can't get your signals in. Yeah. It just doesn't sound good on paper. And generally speaking, when things don't sound good on paper, like you got to hope for some sort of miracle. Yeah. The Vikings got a miracle last week for Matthew Stafford playing, I think, his worst game of the year. Oh, yeah. Comfortably. It has to be. Comfortably. They didn't win anyways. So I find that. 
if you're going to pick the Vikings this week, you don't have much room to stand on. The one thing the Vikings could hope for, and it doesn't look like this will be the case, but the Vikings won at Lambeau last year thanks to, to some screwy weather. They had it was like 30 mile an hour winds, couldn't really throw the ball down the field. That kind of limited the Packers. And also the Viking, I think Kirk threw like 14 passes in that game in total. I think he was like 10 for 14. Someone can check me on that. But and then Dalvin just ran wild. Uh that it's not happening uh this week. At least I think I think the weather forecast is gonna be cold. I don't think anything is forecasted for wind or 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 precipitation. So it's it's gonna be a not a friendly environment for the Vikings who like to use speed offensively, uh, make the big plays with Jefferson. And then I think it favors the Packers in a lot of ways. And that's, again, I think, I think you're right. Something really weird or crazy has to happen for the Vikings to win this game. So a couple of things that the Vikings do have in their favor, right? If you're looking on the optimistic side here, that's, you know, we try to give both sides the coin, uh, Packers offensive line is basically makeshift right now. I know that the Vikings can basically say the same thing about the defensive line. So it's kind of no, but you know, you do have a rookie in there. You don't have David Bakhtiari. I don't know the status of Billy Turner, but he, that's been up and down all season long. Um, You've got a chance to get some pressure, right? And then of course you force Aaron Rodgers out of the pocket, let him throw it downfield that way. But that's neither here nor there. You do have, in theory, some level of an advantage or some level of continuity with your defensive line because these guys have been playing together now for several weeks without Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter. Hopefully you get, you know, the best of DJ Wanham. He's basically just been okay. He's really good at sacking the quarterback when no one's in front of him. I'll give him that. But this is an opportunity for him. And, you know, in your secondary, Patrick Peterson hasn't been bad, so – I guess if you want to bracket Devontae Adams, which it's not really a matter of want, it's really a matter of need, really. You do have the guys to do that with Patrick Peterson over the top, excuse me, overhead, pressing up the line of scrimmage, and Harrison Smith or, you know, an alternate safety, whoever, mm-hmm. whoever it may be, I don't know. But you do have the players to, quote, take out their best player if you want to. It didn't really work for Baltimore. <laughs> even though they had three guys over Devontae Adams. It didn't really work for Cleveland last week. And I know that they weren't doubling up, but they were able to kind of mitigate some damage. And Devontae Adams had a very good game anyways. I don't think that there's a way to truly stop Adams, but we saw last week the Vikings were in the game despite allowing 100 yards to Cooper Cup. You could, in theory, use the same justification this week as well, right? If you can hold Devontae Adams to you know, 90 yards in a touchdown. Maybe you've got a shot, but that shot hinges on stopping the run. I don't have an answer for that because no, Michael yeah. Pierce has not been good. Delvin Tomlinson has not been good. I mean, the, the two ends have not set the edge well all season long. It's just a really, really tall task. And I have a really hard time finding anything that is positive that doesn't also have a quote negative side to it as well. Speaking specifically about the defensive line. I don't know, man. I don't see it. Yeah, it's going to require Mike Zimmer to be, you know, one of those one of those Mike Zimmer games. Um, whether it, when it's you know it's third down and or on third downs, and he is just all over Green Bay, all over Rodgers. Rodgers has no idea what's going on. Those types of games, uh, because personnel wise, I don't think he, the Vikings could stack up on either side of the ball. And I, I'm very, again, I, I really think, and I said this before, I think I said this about the Niners game, uh, which actually ended up being true. I said that would be the first one that they lost by more than seven. It was eight. But um, I think this is the game the Packers can break that streak, and this is going to be a bloodbath, I think. I really do. Um, I, ha- I have very little faith in the Vikings to keep this one even close. I would be taking the Packers on the spread. I think it's six or six and a half right now. I think they're going to win by more than that. In addition to everything that we've said um, for the defensive side of the ball for the Vikings and the offensive side of the Packers ball, you also have Jair Alexander returning this week. I believe he was activated a couple days ago as of this recording. And if he plays and is able to contain Jefferson the way Ramsey did for basically two and a half or three quarters, I, I don't see, you know, then you're then you're relying on Osborne, Conklin, and, and then maybe Dalvin out of the backfield as your pass catchers. Not, uh, not thrilled about that, so. Yeah, 
you look at specifically the way that the Rams covered Jeff Jefferson last week too. I believe there's only three targets into Ramsey's coverage specifically. I know Jefferson went over a hundred yards and Vikings fans want to cling to that. But and, well, most of that, most of that was not on Ramsey. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know how he'll be used in his return to the lineup, but Jair Alexander has generally been a traveling corner, a guy that it will move outside and mm-hmm. inside with the receiver. I don't think that you get that same benefit that you got with the way that the Rams were playing defensively last week. I think that instead of quote being in that, you know, that outside coverage, I think they call it a star cornerback in Los Angeles. You're not going to get that from green Bay. If they use Jair Alexander, the way that I've seen them use them in the past, you're going to get them to travel. So for something to watch, I guess we're all going to watch this football game, no matter what we think is going to happen. Right. For something to watch. I mean, you do get another matchup between a premier cornerback and Justin Jefferson, which is, in theory, could be a lot of fun. Uh, it's also a cold weather game, so you can kind of get a gauge on what Jefferson looks like in the cold. He's going to be, if he stays in Minnesota long term, and we all hope he does, I know there have been reports out there that he's kind of slowly inching his way out of Minnesota. I don't necessarily believe that. I think it's really hard to, to make that claim when this guy is leading the NFL history in yards through his first two seasons. I think he's probably pretty happy about that. I know you want to win, too. But in terms of your personal stats, your targets, your touches, your impact on the football team, I don't think there's a, he has a reason to be unhappy outside of the fact that the Vikings are not going to the postseason this year, barring some type of miracle, some level of, you know, uh, a lot of things having to go right, I suppose. But you do get an opportunity to see what, he, what, what this guy's really made of. I mean, the Vikings are going to play cold weather games in the future. Justin Jefferson is going to be a big piece of that. He's become the superstar on this team for – couple of different reasons. First of all, Dalvin Cook can't stay on the field. Second of all, Kirk is uh, this, I don't know, this is a little bit polarizing, but I think he's basically unlikable, especially at this point in his Vikings tenure. It makes it really easy for Jefferson to stand out when he's the, you know, killing it as a receiver and also has a very likable, fun personality and a ton of swag that just oozes out of him. So you do get the opportunity to see that one-on-one matchup. That's something that could be fun. And if the Vikings win that matchup, by the way, they'll have a good opportunity. In theory, because that's kind of neutralizing what Devontae Adams is doing on the other side. If you're going to get the same performance out of Jefferson, he can go step for step. You know, I know they're not on the same side of the ball, but if you can get that type of give you the same performance, effect, but then that requires that that still requires then Kirk to distribute the ball a la Rodgers would outside of those targets. Uh, it requires the Vikings to run the ball as well as the Packers would on their side of the ball, which I don't see happening. Cook, so. But- you have Dalvin Cook, but you have you know what potentially could be Dakota Dozier starting on the offensive line. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's it's there's there's just so much going against the Vikings in this game. Uh, and so I mean, it, it, well, here's what it feels like. Here, I'll I'll, I'll leave. I'll, I'll end the discussion with some good vibes here. Good. It, like it feels. You remember the Sunday night game? It actually was Week 16, so the second last game of the year of 2010, which turned into a Tuesday night game because it was in Philly uh, during that snowstorm. Going into the game, it feels like that. There was no, nothing, no reason the Vikings should have won that game. Uh, I think Joe Webb's first career start. Philly was, I think, vying for a two seed at that point. Uh, Matt and they Asiata. Were, and they were moving the football. Uh, and then uh, I think Joe, uh, the Vikings ended up winning. Joe Webb had scored a touchdown. I mean, it, was, it was great. And so that's the one optimism you have is football's weird. And sometimes... Sometimes teams come back. Come, I mean, they punched the Eagles in the mouth that game. So um, that's I'll leave you with that optimism. But I, I, with that said, I do not like Minnesota's chances. Yeah, football is weird. And really, this entire season has been a perfect encapsulation of that point. And specifically, the pick that you made last week, by the way, Houston over the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, that happened. That wasn't supposed to happen, right? Like, Davis Mills a lot actually of- looks awesome. Like, did the Vikings pick Mond over Mills? I think they did. I think it was one pick before. I yep. want to say the Vikings picked Mond one pick before Davis Mills. That might be wrong, but and now the Vikings are adding Kyle Sloter instead of trusting Mond as their backup. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's been a weird year, man. And I th- I'm with you. I think ultimately, you know, this is kind of. This is the apex. This is yeah. your, but this like is your that is, school. this is a tangent, but that is why you spend a third round pick on a quarterback. Cause if he's pressed into action, maybe he looks good. And now the Texans can see what he is as a, as a starting quarterback for a year, you know, yeah. but anyway, uh, let's get to some picks. I'm sick of talking about this game. So we are, I already know what's going to happen. So, yeah, 
yeah, and I think that's a that's a good way to put a pin in this one and get into specifically our picks. I think we know which way both of us are leaning on this one. I think we're both going Green Bay pretty confidently in that direction. Yes. Uh, we yes. don't normally do this, but what, what would you say for a score? Do you think that – I know that you've already read for, said that you think that this is going to be yeah. the first game where the Vikings lose by more than one score. So what's the score going to look like then? I'll go Packers 31, Vikings 16. I like that. I, I think the Packers are going to have at least 28 points. I'll say 28 points because I think that they're going to go for it instead of kicking field goals because Mason Crosby's he's been rough, yeah. negative. He's been rough. Mason Crosby's been rough. So I'll go Packers 28, Vikings 13. I think they'll get one kind of garbage time touchdown. And it'll be a bunch of field goals. Packers defense, by the way, we didn't talk about it a whole lot. They've been really good. They're better than they've ever been, at least during the Rodgers tenure probably dating back yeah. to the Super Bowl team, I think, which was in Russell what, Douglas keeps intercepting passes after yeah. he was polarizing a fringe, a, fringe, a fringe roster player two years ago. I think yeah. he was a guy that got torched like four times in that Vikings Eagles game in 2019 by Diggs. Uh, yeah. This is him, you know, carrying the Packers defense now, which we should even know the Packers keep winning. It is very close. Like yeah, yeah. they're still point, in too. very close games, but the Vikings and are also falling apart right now. So, um, uh, I just, I, I have a strong feeling the Packers run away with this one. Yeah, we're both taking the Packers. I, I'm with you, though. Baker Mayfield did throw three interceptions last week, and the Packers only won by two points. So if you want to, there's my, there's my way to end this thing on an optimistic note. Hey, the Packers have been playing everyone close. Uh, they're a two-point conversion away from losing at Baltimore. So, yep, 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 exactly, exactly. So fishy, weird stuff. That's what we need. That's what we need to be wrong on this one. But uh, both of us rolling with the Packers this week. Let's get into the rest of the NFL slate. Some good ones on here, as always, towards the end of the season. You're also going to get some bad ones as well. Uh, We'll start off with what's probably going to be a bad one. Uh, That is the Atlanta Falcons facing the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Yeah, Bills. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we need to talk about that a whole lot. The Falcons Um, playing a good team. I think the Falcons are like minus 150 point differential against yeah. teams above 500 or something stupid like that this year. They're, it's it's going to, they're going to add on top of that here. Bills by a lot. Yeah, I'm taking, I would also go Bills by a lot as well. By the way, this is our money line week. Uh, so we will have somewhere mixed into our picks here. Uh, money line picks for each of us. We will make note of that. Um, all right. Next one here is the New York Giants at the Chicago Bears. Again, I, these two, these two teams are a little bit more evenly matched in terms of skill level on the current roster. Uh, but it's going to be another poor football game. Um, I don't expect anyone to choose Who? to watch this one outside is, of being. You know, is Daniel Bears. Jones back? No, he's out week. for the rest of the year. He is so he out for the year? Okay. Mike, it's probably Mike Glennon because of God, what Jake Fromm did last week. So a revenge game. I will be or... not picking the Giants. <laughs> uh, I'll pick. I'll pick the Bears. Uh, it's it's weird to say, but I think the Bears have three quarterbacks that are better than anybody the Giants would play on Sunday, and I think that's. I think I can very confidently say that. Yeah, by the way, Nick Foles, <laughs> Nick Foles got another win last week when he wasn't supposed to. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Hey, credit to Nagy be. for going for two at the end there. Credit to him. Yeah, I mean, at this point, he's also. I mean, why not? Walking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Um, I'm going Chicago as well. It's hard to. I know the Giants have already said that they're going to retain Joe Judge. I think that's the wrong decision. This team looks terrible. Oh, yeah. So bad. So bad. Get rid of him for sure. Yeah. Uh, so Chicago all the way for both of us. All right. Next one here is my money line pick. This is the Kansas City at Cincinnati uh, Cincinnati Bengals game. I was going to say Bungles, but I'm not Chris Berman. So, um, you know, this is the type of game here where, it, you know, it's going to be really good on paper, right? You've got Joe Burrow coming off of, you know, his best performance ever, maybe. I know he's been, he has a couple of mega games at LSU, but you know, you're putting up 500 yards on, I know it's a defense that doesn't really have a whole lot, but uh, pretty impressive showing from Burrow. Cincinnati's moving. They get an opportunity to win their division this week. On the other side here, you've got Patrick Mahomes who's rolling Kansas city also rolling. I'm taking Cincinnati on the money line here strictly because there's not a whole lot of great money line picks this week, but I think that Cincinnati has an opportunity here to show the world that they're for real. Yeah, this is it's a bold play for an underdog. Uh, underdog money line. It's pretty bold to go against KC, uh, especially <laughs> having they won now ten in a row. I know earlier this year I kind of said like I'll never pick against the Chiefs, and then they looked really bad for a while. Uh, but now they found it. I am picking the Chiefs in this game confidently. They are rolling. They are destroying teams. Defense is humming. 
And I think Mahomes has sort of settled in now to not being the superhero quarterback, but instead just kind of, you know, taking the short throw when it's there. I think Reed is helping him out and, and uh, BN and me are helping him out too, falling into that role because they know they can trust the defense as well. So I'm going to take the Chiefs. Yeah, they will get Travis Kelsey back this week, almost certainly. Uh, he was in COVID protocol last week, of course. Tyreek Hill was in COVID protocol last week and then disappeared on the field, as he typically does once or twice a year. Uh, but Chiefs didn't care. They had Byron Pringle. No, that's the touchdowns. thing. They can use Byron Pringle and Nicole Hardman and Daryl Williams and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and they can put up a 30 spot on you. And you're down 30 nothing before you even know it. So, yep. All right, I'm still rolling with Cincinnati, but I would not bet that. I would probably take, uh, you know, the spread if you're going to take Cincinnati. But I'm taking Cincinnati with my money line pick. So there's that. All right, next one here. Uh, Miami at Tennessee. We already touched on Miami a little bit. They are rolling. Uh, they've also played basically no one. Um, I think someone did. A That's list the of point I was going to come up. Yeah. So it's here. I have it with me. It's the cool. Davis Mills. Uh, then Lamar Jackson on that Thursday night where they blitzed the crap out of him and they had no answer. Um, but then it was Zach Wilson, Cam Newton. I think it was Cam Newton but with the Panthers. Um, then it was Glennon. Then it was Zach Wilson. Then it was Ian Book. So basically seven of their eight wins or six of their seven wins during that stretch have been against guys that probably shouldn't start. Uh, Davis Mills is probably the best one that they've played. Uh, and so I'm going to go with Tennessee. I think they're going to – I think Tennessee will roll in this one, to be honest with you. Um the Titans are, for as battered and bruised as they are, um, I think offensively they'll have a lot more to provide than any team the Dolphins have played recently. So this to me is the are you for real game for Miami. I don't think that I'm unique in making that take, um, but I tend to be a Miami believer. I don't know why, because I see the same things you guys do with Tua specifically, right? The defense is awesome. And I know that they were playing against a, uh, what was it? I think it's, they said on the broadcast, like a six string offensive tackle in New Orleans on Monday night. Uh, but the defense is awesome. And I think that that might be enough here because Tennessee is still not whole. If you keep this in mind, of course, it's Deontay Foreman back there, not Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill has been meh. Julio Jones basically has been bad this year for the first time of his entire career. AJ Brown came back last week. He had a good game. I'm going to take Miami because I think that Julio doesn't need to be doubled anymore. He doesn't require that extra attention. You can cover him up with one and you double or you put, you know, your best corner, which they have two very, very good corners in Miami. I'm going to take Miami saying that they can stop the run and they can stop coverage enough because Ryan Tannehill is not Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to take Miami in this one. Uh, but I do see the same things that you guys see. Right. Like I do understand people saying, all right, are you for real? Well, now you get your answer. I'll go Miami. You said you're rolling with Tennessee. Mm -hmm. All right. Next one here. Um, another important game, but two teams that I don't care about in the AFC. That is the Las Vegas Raiders and the Annapolis Colts. So the Colts are super fun because they have Jonathan Taylor, but they're not going to have Carson Wentz this week. It sounds like, uh, I, think I don't he, know. Yeah. I don't know what the rule is on that. Um, he's not they, vaccinated. They, keep, they did just change they, protocol. They, they keep changing so, the protocol. So I don't know. And, and I don't know uh, what's going I, on anymore. Well, and the other thing is I'm pretty sure that game is completely off betting boards. There's no even indication one way or the other at this point. Mm -hmm. um, if he'll be back or not. Um, I'm just going to kind of roll with him not playing and pick the Raiders because I know it's looking very good that Derek Carr will play. Um, so I have that with me. Um, and so I'll take the Raiders there, and I really don't want to end up in a scenario where I pick the Colts and then Sam Ellinger is playing quarterback. Yeah, you did pick New Orleans last week. So. <laughs> and yeah. you got Ian Book as your quarterback. So um, I'm going to take Indianapolis, and here's why. Because I don't think that that Carson Wentz matters. It's a good point. They beat, <laughs> they beat New England when he threw for 50 yards when Christian Ponder on the bit. He went Christian Ponder on the bit and they still won. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to take, yeah, I'm going to take Indianapolis because I do think that truly speaking in terms of most valuable player, not best player, Jonathan Taylor is that guy. Uh, they have also a really, really good defense. Darius Leonard said it himself. I'll say it on his behalf as well. If they got more coverage, he'd probably be in that defensive player of the year candidacy as well. It's just that Dallas has Micah Parsons going wild and they're on national mm -hmm. TV every other weekend. So, I'm going to take Indianapolis on the strength of their defense and Jonathan Taylor. I think they can get it done with just that. 
Josh Jacobs hasn't looked the same. I know he's coming off a good week, but I also don't believe in Derek Carr either. And I, I don't really believe, believe in Rich Passaccia either. I, I, I wanted to see him do well as, a, as an interim head coach. I don't think that's going to be the case. So I'm going to roll with New England, or excuse me, with Indianapolis. We'll split on that one. Which brings us to New England. Uh, Jacksonville is playing against the the New England Patriots, who are coming mm-hmm. off of a bit of a rough week. Uh, both of these teams really are coming off of a bit of a rough week. Buffalo schlacked New England. Uh, we got the amazing press conference with Bill Belichick, with that reporter <laughs> that was ex- as as literally everyone has said was extremely brave in asking um, Bill Be- Belichick about his New Year's resolution. I have to. I have to know. Like, what else do we not know about this? Like, was she? Um, you know, directed by a, a superior to do this story. And this was the only time possible no to get a quote. Like I, I can't imagine. I don't know. I, it, it, it baffles me. Definitely because, a psycho person, like a, it, like a crazy person. It baffles me because the story that she was writing about new year's resolutions, that's yes. what I call a puff piece. And we're talking oh, yeah. about losing to Buffalo your main division rival and you want to butt in and be like, Hey, by the way, I got this little story here. It's going to get like, like he wouldn't clicks. even answer that, you know, net today, three days after the loss. He's like, uh, he'd be like, oh, I'll probably win some football games next year. You know, he'd be, he'd do one of those. Like he's not gonna, that was good. He's not, that was good. He's not gonna answer that. Um, okay. So with all that being said, uh, I don't think we need to Patriots. talk a whole lot about Jacksonville. Yeah. New England get this one done. All right. Next one here we go to the other side of the coin. That's Tampa Bay and they're facing off with the New York jets. I don't think we need to talk about this one much either. No, Tampa Bucks. Bay bucks. No doubt. Jets are coming off of a win, but it was against Jacksonville. So I don't really care. All right. Next one here is Philadelphia and Washington. We talked about this a little bit on the show already. Uh, I think the expectations for both of us, that Philadelphia is definitely getting this one done, especially what we saw from Washington in prime time last Sunday night. Yeah. Their two best players are fighting, punching each other. Literally Taylor Heineke love the guy love kind of the aura but terry mclaurin's basically non-existent now he's a direct reflection on that i think his time has probably come to an end philadelphia gets this one done probably in a route i need i need to pick an underline money line you know what no i'm going philly i'm going philly i can't do washington right now um after what i just saw on monday night i can't i'm gonna go philly i'll find a different one screw it All right, so Philly Philly. for both of us. All right, next one here on the docket is the Los Angeles Rams and Baltimore Ravens. This one has the potential to be a good game if Lamar Jackson is in the game. And that's a big if right now. I think his status is still up in the air as of this recording. He's not been ruled out. He's not been ruled in. Uh, Baltimore hanging on by a thread as well. So there is very big, important ramifications to this football game. Um, If Los Angeles gets the W here, they'll all, of course, be scoreboard watching with the Cowboys and the Packers. Baltimore on the flip side has an opportunity here to get a game back and potentially make their way back into that AFC uh, North division with Cincinnati potentially losing to Kansas city, as we alluded to the possibility of this week as well. So very important football game, potentially a very fun football game to watch who you got in this one here. I'll, I'll go with this one. Ravens are underdogs right now. Uh, I'll take the Ravens as my under underdog uh, money line pick this week. The Rams looked pretty bad last week. They would not have beaten or yeah, they would not have beaten many teams last week uh, with Stafford playing that poorly. Um, and I think the Ravens, I'm just going to kind of trust Harbaugh here to basically outcoach McVay um, when he needs to the most. Uh, so kind of trusting in Harbaugh. I don't care who the quarterback is. Um, that's my uh, that's my pick. For what it's worth, I mean, Tyler Huntley is going to be on the field almost certainly if Lamar Jackson can't go. And he's looked pretty good. I mean, I've seen a lot of different people, you know, backing into the idea that he might be a starter for a different organization in the future. And I realistically based off of his last couple of weeks of play, I mean, he's dragged a very depleted Ravens team to a potential opportunity to win a football game on multiple occasions. So you can't rule him out. Um, and you're right. Matthew Stafford did look horrific last week. His MVP candidacy is probably on life support as well. Uh, so we'll see. But I'm going Rams, Drew, of course, with his money line pick going with the Baltimore Ravens. All right. Next one here, we go to a showdown in the AFC, the AFC West specifically. That is the Denver Broncos and the Los Angeles Chargers. The reason why I call it a showdown is because these two teams are both shooting themselves in the foot all day long. Another dead man walking, Vic Fangio. And Brandon Staley could probably add himself to that conversation. I don't think 
is super fair to, but he could probably add himself to that conversation a little bit if he really breaks down and puts a, you know, uh, puts another stinker out there against a team that he needs to beat and should beat. Does Denver get it done? Is there a chance? No. Not with Drew Locke playing quarterback. I'm going with the Chargers. Um, although Chargers are, I don't know. The Chargers are weird. I, I don't, I don't, I feel like the way I feel about the Chargers is probably how a lot of people feel about the Vikings. Like, what, like, what are even, what even are you? You know, uh, that's kind of where my, where I am with the Chargers, but I know what Drew Locke is. So I'll, I'll go with the Chargers. Yeah, that's always a, that's a good way to make picks is, yeah, we definitely know who Drew Locke is. I think we know who Justin Herbert is, but the rest of the, the rest of the Chargers, you're right. I don't think we know. Denver does have a really good defense, by the way. Vic Fangio is definitely going to be a defensive coordinator next year because he knows what he's doing. Um, and the roster composition is coming along, but you're right. They're definitely a quarterback away. I think the Chargers are the better team. I'm going to go with the Chargers as well. All right, next one here is your Houston Texans going up against the San Francisco 49ers. The Texans, as we stated previously, have been rolling a little bit behind Davis Mills. They're not going to make the postseason or anything like that, but they do have an opportunity here to play a little bit of spoiler. Uh, San Francisco has kind of worked their way out of, you know, the direct conversation for what that five seed in the NFC and now are kind of on their on their heels a little bit here. This losing to the Texans this week would put I don't think it, I don't think it's deadly, but it would it would put them on life support for the playoffs, and it might put Kyle Shanahan on life support too. Right or wrong, just saying they might need a change. In it also helped the Vikings quite a bit, um, but I'm going to take the Niners. Uh, I think that's just, that's a safe pick. Um, it's one of those games where I don't think they'll even need Jimmy G to do anything. They can probably run the ball over the Texans and and come out on top. Yeah, I'm going San Francisco as well. Um, I can't pick Houston, although it's going to sound bad that I said that when I make another pick later on in the spread here, but I, I can't pick Houston confidently right now. Still, I need to see more. I don't believe in Davis Mills just yet. I also didn't scout him. So I don't have like a basis for what he's doing right now. I, part of me just believes that he's playing well because things are going in his favor and then, you know, something, something wrong will happen. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. we'll be right back to the whole, ah, why do we think Davis Mills was good? I still think I'm in that side of the coin and I might be wrong, but can't pick Houston yet. I'm rolling with San Francisco. All right. Next one here. This is the, if you're not a believer that the Cincinnati Kansas city game is the best game of the week, this probably is the best game of the week in the NFC specifically. That is Arizona facing off against the Dallas Cowboys. I know that Arizona has not looked good. I know that Dallas is coming off an absolute route in which none of their starters played in the fourth quarter. By the way, Jaron Curse is a starter on that defense and looks pretty good doing it. He's leading them in combined tackles in Dallas, by the way. Just throwing that out there, no big deal. Um, Arizona's in trouble. Cliff Kingsbury in trouble. They need this one. Can they get it done against a good, good Dallas team? No. The Cardinals <laughs> doing that thing where they keep falling apart at the end of the year in the second half. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take Cowboys in this one. Um, I, I just click Kingsbury is, 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 I, I don't want to use the F word and say fraud, but he's a fraud and, uh, I'm going to take Dallas. Yeah. This might, this season, the way that this thing is going, I know that they're still going to make the playoffs somehow, some way it might be like a six or seven seed for Arizona. But this season might be the greatest indictment on K- Cliff Kingsbury and by proxy Cl- Kyler Murray as well, because they have really faded. It's not like they don't even resemble anywhere close to what they were middle of this year mm-hmm. when everyone thought they were the team to beat. They have completely fallen apart. King- Kingsbury's stuff, his juice, just appears to not work for a full 16 games. Maybe he needs a guy also that. zips up his quarter zip jacket all the way to the top. <laughs> and I notice it every single time they show him on camera and it bothers me. Literally, like I, it's it's all the way. It's like he's it's it's all the way. It's like it's choking him. Yeah. Look I'm for not a fashion time. guy, but like that's yeah. That, I'm not I, I'm not the right guy to come to with your fashion advice. Just wear a long sleeve shirt if you yeah. want to. If you want a crew neck, I wear one of those. Sure. It looks bad. It looks bad on pretty much everyone. And he's a good looking guy too. Like one of the best of all time, really. And if you can't make a, a zip look good by buttoning all the way up, no one should be doing that. I'm with yeah. you on that. That's 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 dumb. All right, Dallas for both of us, no doubt. Uh, next one here is Carolina and New Orleans. Uh, this one has the potential to be absolutely awful every way around. New Orleans needs this one. Carolina, uh, they are morale low, uh, to say the least, if you yeah. saw Cameron Newton's um, press conference last week. Um, who do you got in this? I'm NFC going to say it's just because the Panthers, the Panthers, I don't know. I'm going with the Saints. Even, I mean... <sighs> I'm assuming in book. It's not going to be in book. It's going to be Taysom Hill. He just it just before we okay. started recording this show. Then I'm going Hill with the Saints comfortably. The Panthers are. I don't know what they are, but they're not a football team. Saints are. Saints are going to win. 
Yeah, Matt Rule's breaking out Jay-Z quotes now. Eh, not not good. Not good. I'm going New Orleans. Um, I would have taken him probably with Ian Book, to be honest with you. Uh, but Taysom Hill did come off. He is probably the best guy to play behind a depleted offensive line, just in terms of sheer playmaking ability. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much he can get done, but I think it's enough to get past Carolina. So I'll take New Orleans here as well. All right. Home stretch of the art picks here. Uh, this is another potential rough one, and that is Detroit and Seattle. Now, this one is worth talking about because both of these teams suck. They're really bad. Uh, Detroit has, I don't, Detroit just doesn't have the talent. I think they're well coached. I really do believe that. I know that Dan Campbell's a a bit of a weird guy, but I think that they buy what he's selling. So I think they're well coached. Uh, They seem to know who they are, right? They, They maximize the best of their abilities. I don't want to say every week, because they put up a couple stinkers, but basically every week they're out there fighting and they have a chance down the stretch, at least in the third quarter every week. So I'm going to take Detroit. And I think this is Pete Carroll's nail in the coffin. I think Detroit is going to take out both Mike Zimmer and Pete Carroll in the same year. I like that. I'm going to go to Seattle, but I like that. I like that. <laughs> I mean, they've been doing it and Seattle is, you know, they're very right about Seattle. They're just they're just they're structurally not. similar to the Vikings, yeah. especially with the way Wilson's playing, as opposed to being the god that he was. Yeah, no, you're even right. A couple you're months right. ago. So, all right, we'll split on that one. Uh, fair split, by the way. And then the last one here, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. This is your Monday Night Football game. Basically unwatchable Gross. if you're not a Browns fan, Pittsburgh fan, or you don't have Nick Chubb or I don't know who you'd have on the Deontay Johnson on the Steelers. Uh, pretty much unwatchable mm-hmm. uh, who you got in this one this is literally a toss-up i'll go i'll go pittsburgh is at home but i don't like it yeah i i believe it's a toss-up as well the only reason i'm taking cleveland um because i like them more i just hate pittsburgh and i think that you know i don't know why ben roethlisberger is still playing no, I don't. I, don't I just don't get it. Like he looks terrible. Like well, if you asked Steelers fans earlier in the year, they were like, like it was, you know, you 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 look at what Steelers fans said earlier in the year. It's like, oh, you're being disrespectful. He's fine, blah blah blah. And that tune has definitely changed since then. Um, yep. There's, he should be done and, and heck of a career, hundred uh, percent, Hall of Fame career, two rings, uh, some incredible moments, but just it's just not working. And this would typically be uh, the last game of the season. This is weird, by the way. We're, we're p- making picks in week 17, knowing fo- full well that we'll be making picks again next week. Um, that's a, bit, a little bit strange. Uh, but where we stand now, uh, I'm at 147 and 92. Drew is at 139 and 100. Last week, Drew went 12 and 4 um, on the heels of a couple of really nice picks, actually. Um, specifically, that one that I was talking about earlier with the Houston one. Um, and I went 10 and 6. So that's where we stand here uh, through 16 weeks of picks. We got the uh, week 17 in the box now. Is there anything that we did not touch on? I know we covered a lot of ground, especially with the coaching. Uh, we didn't touch as much on the intricacies of these, you know, these last two matchups or excuse me, the, the Packers matchup and the, the last matchup against the Rams. Is there anything that we missed here that you wanted to touch on before we get out of here? You know, not really. It's just, um, I'm, you know, I guess we should probably discuss Madden. Um, yeah. let's give yes. a tribute, you know, cause Absolutely. like that was like, you know, again, I played Madden, the video game, a ton. And I don't remember him too much as a broadcaster, probably a little bit before my peak interest in football. But just to see, like, the what everybody says about him, the ultimate influencer of football, I think what Joe Buck called him, uh, it seems like, you know, you, you don't see that very often where a guy is universally regarded as the most influential person in a given you know, realm or department or sport or field, whatever it might be. So uh, it, 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 you try to imagine the, you know, sport of football, the NFL is a league um, and you don't go very far without thinking of or mentioning John Madden's name. So that's, uh, you know, I think it's worth mentioning. And I also, I haven't seen that, that documentary yet, but I really want to. Uh, um, that's on my short list of things to do here coming up. Yep. 
that's uh, replaying or becomes available widely. Um, it came out on Christmas, of course, so I think a lot of us probably missed it. I did as well. That comes out on the 3rd of January, by the way. So if you are also interested in watching that Madden documentary, yeah. that's when it becomes available. Uh, I will be watching that. A couple of things here. I've seen a lot of people, you just mentioned the influence that John Madden had. Um, he covered so many bases, right? Uh, and yeah. I'll give you guys a little bit of an insight into just my life as a human being outside of being a football fan. I also love video games. I'm obsessed with video games. I've played old school video games. I have a large, large connection, you know, collection of everything from 64, Super Nintendo, etc. It's my second thing, right? Other than football. So I have a Twitter timeline that is mostly 75% football and then 25% is video game stuff, you know, whether it's you know, weird yeah. things or whatever, whatever people breaking news, etc. It's the first time that I've seen a football figure unite football fans and video game fans. It's shocking yeah. the crossover that this guy had. And I've also seen a lot of people specifically attribute their fandom to football to the Madden video game. I'm one of those people. For sure. I did not grow up a mega football fan. My dad was not a football fan. My mom was not a football fan. I had no reason to like the Vikings. Yeah, I had a principal in middle school who loved the Vikings, but who cares, right? The reason I love football now is because I love doing fantasy drafts on Madden 2006. That's mm -hmm. what got me into playing football, drafting guys like Chad Jackson. I know no one even remembers that name, but you think about like the players and the names you learned, the skills that you learned about football like you learned about reggie wayne's route running from playing madden if you weren't a colts fan or you didn't live in indianapolis right if you're a vikings fan and you're focused on the nfc north you learned all kinds of stuff about guys that you had no business knowing anything about and that's why i fell in love with football is because all of a sudden i'm making these amazing vikings teams you know i'm trading quarterbacks i'm getting rid of Tavares jackson yeah, yeah. and i'm bringing in drew Brees or whoever the hell it was at the time that was super fun to play with michael vick of course i played madden 04 as well that changed my life that's and I, it's weird to say but like that changed my perception on you know video games football in general I owe a lot to John Madden without even really knowing it because I didn't watch yeah. him as the Raiders coach. I'm well, 30, not 40. I, I so I think what's impressive, and I just thought about this, but he probably had three Hall of Fame football careers. Absolutely. Yes. Coach, broadcaster, video game creator, and you know, the the that market at the end of his kind of his life there. Cause it's true that I mean, you think football video game Madden is 100 percent the first thing that comes to mind. Yep. And then you think broadcaster. Color analyst for sure. John Madden is probably the first one that comes to mind. Uh, if you look first at guy historic ever to. over, yeah, over, you know, the history of the league. And then I think he's the winningest or the most successful head coach uh, with 100 wins in the history of NFL. Highest so, winning percentage. Bill Belichick, by the way, I saw the stat on Twitter. I can't remember who said it, but Bill Belichick would need 132 consecutive victories to match Madden's winning percentage. And we all think of Belichick as the clear cut best head coach of all time well i know that madden only coached for 10 years i know that nine of those years were 14 game seasons but i mean the impact that he had on the game the impact he had on his players i mean he got he won a super bowl as well he's got that ring i mean the thing in the booth right you think of the combination that he had in the booth um the randy moss game by the way um where he's calling the the cowboys randy moss game where moss had three touchdowns yep. on three catches and 163 yards or whatever it was i mean there's so many things that go back to John. He also Madden. did a lot in terms of making Thanksgiving and football, you know, synonymous with each other. Yes. Like that's, you know, I don't think that was a national phenomenon in 1982. You know, there was right. maybe had a game or two. I think it was probably the Dallas and, and Detroit game. I would imagine the third Thanksgiving game that we have now can largely be attributed to Madden and the way he um, talked up, you know, turkey legs and, and everything on the broadcast. Um, that's yeah. So anyway, I, I, there's so much of a football in the sport in the league that is probably due to him. So that's, it's, I don't know, felt like it was, it was needed, uh, you know, the, with the documentary and everything probably would have said something once we watched it, but you know, with the sudden passing, it feels like it's worth, worth mentioning, worth honoring. So it's, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And the craziest thing about it, about all of this, right. The level of influence is that there's people that are growing up right now probably 10, 15, 12 year olds, stuff like that, that are playing Madden. Right. And they don't even know that John Madden was a football coach. 
Like that's how great yeah. he was as a. Also, I did see one thing. I was, uh, I was. This is the, the the most twenty twenty one thing of me ever. But I was scrolling on TikTok and I saw there was apparently a trend going on now. If you play an, uh, a head uh, head to head game online, uh, where people are taking delay game penalties as a a way to honor John Madden, and then the other the opponent is declining the penalty. Um, so like it's I love that. And I don't know if that's it's probably a little corny. But yep. it's still yep. kind of cool uh, to yep. to see that happening. So, just the amount of worlds that he, you know, had some level of an impact on is crazy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we will miss John Madden, even if you know. Again, you don't even need to be a Raiders fan to appreciate his greatness. You don't need to be a fan of sports broadcasting. You just need to find one of those three things, and I think that of those three areas—broadcasting, video games, and coaching football you can find some common ground with just about everyone. And I think that's the craziest thing about all of this. So rest in peace to John Madden. Uh, we definitely appreciate um, what he did and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully his likeness will live on forever. And um, they definitely need to come out with like the, a legendary edition of John Madden for oh, yeah. the game, right? Next week, next year, he's got to be on the cover for sure. There's oh, no yeah. reason to have an athlete. It's got to be John Madden on there again. Back to like yeah. what it was, 94 to 2000 or whatever. So, all right. That wraps up the show for the week. Um, as always, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you can listen to your podcast, you can find us. Uh, make sure to check out the rest of the Climb in the Pocket Network if you have not already. If you don't like Drew or myself or you don't like this show, you might find something else on our network that you do enjoy. So make sure to check that out. A lot of great content creators. Um, make sure to check out the Daily Norseman as well. Of course, most of you that are listening to this are probably already on there. So go ahead and sift through the articles. They do a lot of great content, a lot of great updates. So uh, we appreciate everything that they do for us, giving us a platform platform here um, at the Daily Norseman. So um, with all that being said, um, Skull Vikes this week, of course, it doesn't look good, but we've seen crazier things happen. So maybe have a little bit shred of optimism. I'm going to try and good luck to your fantasy championships this week. Um, Thank you. I have it. Yeah, me too. I've got Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams uh, in my lineup. So I'm going to be conflicted. But I may have Rodgers and Aaron, and Aaron Jones. I, I believe it or not, I have <laughs> Rodgers and Mahomes. Uh, on my team. So I'm trying to decide between the two right now. Interesting. 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 All right. Well, we will check back in with you guys with that. Uh, Let us know if you've uh, had an interesting fantasy experience over the last couple of weeks. I know things, some things have been crazy. So thanks for listening as always. And we'll catch you guys next week.